and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today, I'm Darren Hefty, along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about tiling in crop, installing drainage tile in your field with a crop out in the field. Believe it or not, that's something we do a lot of on our farm, and we'll talk about that as today's show goes on. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 844- 44 ag phd or you can email us radio at agphd.com. all right brian tiling in crop the big questions are don't you hurt your current crop out there and how much tiling are you doing are you just doing mains are you putting pattern tile in or just pattern or putting tile into areas talk to us a little bit about tiling in crop and why that's such a big deal yeah it's usually either spot tiling or just putting mains in So if you're going to go out and do pattern tiling, you're probably going to want to, let's say, put some small grain in and harvest that field early, and then you have more time to get that done. But we have done a a lot of tiling in crop, and what we found is usually we don't hurt much at all. The whole key is this. Get in there before the crop is a foot tall. Once the crop gets a foot tall, that's when we pull out. So typically the way it works, if we're going to do any spring tiling um, after the crop is planted, we will go plant, we'll get all our planting done, and then we uh, go right into tiling on days that we can tile. And the big thing that I like about tiling in, let's call it May and June, is when we're typically doing this in crop. The days are long, the days are relatively warm, it's pretty easy to get somebody to jump down into the pit and make a connection when it's not 10 degrees outside like sometimes it is in the fall after harvest. We also have better traction, and traction is the whole key when we start talking about needing to pull your tractor through the field or drive your tractor through the field when we're tiling. So, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why I really like it. And the last one I would say is, and this is something that our dad brought up when we first started doing tiling in crop, he goes, well, at least you're going to know exactly where you need that tile because you just got done planting. You just had to go around wet holes. I mean, you can visually even see in the crop where it's suffering. So you throw that tile in really early in the season in crop. And a lot of times we'll see yield gain, not yield loss. Yeah, sometimes you have to do things a little bit different. And I know everybody, we get a lot of feedback saying, why don't you guys just wait until fall? Why can't you guys be a little bit patient? And most of the time, Brian, I think it's geared towards you because right or wrong, they view you as being a little bit impatient. I do too. And so they're worried, is it just the patience thing or are there a bunch of other reasons? I'm glad you detailed a lot of those because honestly, that's our time. We can get it done some years. Right, right. Yeah, some years we'll have, seriously two days after harvest and then the snow is flying so much that we just can't get it done anymore we either lose traction or it's too cold or whatever so it's a real challenge in our part of the world when we are cold we have heavy soil um, we we have a short growing season it, it it's hard and then you know the other thing that a lot of people ask is well why don't you do what she suggested at the outset just like when you're going to do pattern tiling you put in some small grain Here's why. Because small grain doesn't pay at all for us. Back, I'm going to say this was about, I don't know, four years ago or so, we raised what turned out to be 
effectively the top yield in the entire state for spring wheat, and we still didn't make any money if we would have subtracted out what normal cash rent would have been. Would have been. I, I mean, granted, we own the ground, so we made, we made that money. But I'm just saying, if you were cash renting it, there's no chance. So, I mean, for us to do small grain, we just can't get enough yield compared to the kind of yield that we can get on corn and soybeans. That's for sure. All right, Brian, we've got a number of corn and soybean questions that have come in. You, you want to go to the Ag PhD mailbag? you got a little more tiling you want to talk. I'll go ahead. It's the mailbag. All right. This one comes from Jim in Wisconsin. He said, we always push the envelope planting our sweet corn as early as we can. We're planted at an inch and a half deep in a six CEC soil, low temps, 20 to 22 degrees the next three nights with highs only in the mid 40s. The seed's been in the ground about 36 hours prior to getting cold. How much damage should we expect? The forecast is much colder than what they originally had stated when we were planting. Yeah, I wouldn't expect a lot of damage, but it is possible if that frost goes down so deep into the ground. And that, that planting's relatively shallow. I mean, we'd prefer to see two. That's shallow planting, inches. and that's light soil, too. Six CEC? Yep. yep, but you just have to hope for the best. You're going to find out here and not all that well. It is going to be a little while. That seed's still going to sit in the ground for who knows how, how much longer, three weeks, four weeks, I don't know. I would say this, there are some biological products that in the future, if the weather's going to be cold, you certainly could use. And even we'll talk about using gibberellic acid to make the plants taller. That's not a big deal with sweet corn, but let's say it was silage or something like that. You could certainly throw some gibberellic acid out there post-emerge early on if you want to make the plants taller. All right. Thanks, Jim. Uh, this one comes in from Robert. Now, he actually sent this one in this weekend, and he said, want to apply some drive herbicide in cr for crabgrass control. Our average soil temp is about 55 degrees at two inches deep, but winds are estimated to be uh, lighter off and on, and that's why we're trying to find a window. However, snow and cold temperatures coming uh, the next few days. What do you think about putting on lawn herbicide ahead of cold weather? Okay, so we're looking at two different things. We're looking at contact and residual. You're not going to get diddly squat out of the contact activity, but you are going to get decent residual control because there's going to be some moisture coming. So it just depends on what you're after. A lot of times when we spray lawns around our place, we want both the contact and residual. So if you do as well, then I would wait. Otherwise, if all you're after is residual, go for it. All right, we're going to be talking about tiling in crop on today's program. We're also going to be taking your calls, questions, even uh, people looking for a little sympathy for some of the crop that may be out there in the ground and it's a little cold, those types of things on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. 
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is profitability and boosting yours no matter what the season brings is the goal of decal brand corn backed by exclusive genetics whole farm solutions and unmatched dealer support let nothing shake your perseverance ask your dealer how decal brand corn can help you realize a future of performance always read and follow IRM where applicable grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions Tiling in crop is our discussion today on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. If you have some feedback or if you have a question, we'd love to help you. Ag PhD Radio, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Yeah, it's a pretty complicated address. Let's head out to Central, Central Illinois. Got Jeremy Miners down with us right now with Agram. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Doing well, Darren. How are you doing? We're doing good, too, and we're excited to get out there planting. We are not tiling right now. We're trying to get the, the planting done first, but as soon as we're done planting, we're going to get back to doing some tiling work, and we always get looks from people, wait a second, why don't you just tile it first? Well, tiling takes a little time. When our tile plow runs one mile an hour and our planter runs five, we can get a lot more done with the planter than we can with the tile plow, so we try and get that done first. But do you see a lot of farmers like us who really like tiling in crop to get a lot done? Actually, uh, Darren, you guys are pretty unique. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, they, they, they look at fall as their ideal time for putting in tile, uh, but then a lot of times they get stuck on a waiting list. So if they're having a contractor come to install their tile, and the contractor is living by the weather just like uh, us farmers do, and so they, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they can make it out very timely, sometimes you have to wait a year. And in situations like that, it really makes a lot of sense to consider what you're losing in terms of your yield while you're waiting for that tile to go in versus what you might lose in terms of having at least a portion of the job done uh, or, you know, right after you're done planting. Yeah, I like avoiding those lists and the big wait time, but I also like that I get a good deal. When we have to hire somebody to help us with something uh, in terms of tiling, their rates are always less in the middle of the summer. So that's not a bad deal. Now, I don't want to go out there and four-foot-tall corn because we're going to make a mess in the field, but 
When you've got stuff that's a foot tall or less on our 30-inch rows, there's a lot of room there to, to get through with the plow without necessarily running over crop. Now, when we're putting in mains and that type of thing, that seems to be more of our game. We can always come in and put laterals ourselves and do that later on. But getting those mains in, man, we, we a lot of times will see water running out of them right away, and we know that's helping. Absolutely. And another, another consideration when you're putting your mains in, uh, a lot of times you, you'll need a lot more traction for uh, putting those mains in than you, than you will need for those laterals. It just pulls harder. And when you have the ideal conditions like you do, you know, right after planting, uh, I mean, getting those mains in, that's, it's a, a very opportune time to do so. It will slow down the, you know, the time it takes for the installation. All right, so you get a lot of questions around tiling and, and tile design. What are some of the more common ones that you're hearing this year? Oh, so uh, this year, I, I know we spoke about this before, uh, I'm still hearing a lot of questions in terms of cover crops. And also uh, a question that we're getting more frequently now is what to do if you have a uh, a poor outlet situation. So if you have to go two to three miles to through your neighbor's property in order to reach an outlet, what are the different types of options uh, that could be considered for those situations? Yeah, that seems to be one of our more popular questions too. Of I don't have anywhere to go with the water, and sometimes you have to be the low of the low, and there's nothing anywhere close to you that's lower. And in that case, you kind of knew what you were getting when you got into that ground. But in most cases, the guys that we talk to, Jeremy, are flat ground guys that you know it's really flat here. What are some of the options? Because certainly there's areas really across the Midwest where, where it's flat for a long ways, and they found solutions for this. Yeah, there's uh, – so option number one, uh, for if you've got flat ground and your neighbor's got flat ground, your neighbor's probably dealing with the same issues you have in terms of drainage. If you guys can work out a deal, uh, that's always option number one, where if you split the price of a tile main that would go through – uh, you know, the neighbor's ground, if you, uh, you know, make sure that it's sized appropriately. So that way you can both handle your drainage issue at the same time. That's always ideal. However, that's not always possible. Uh, in those situations, uh, a lot of times the folks will go to what's called a lift station where you have a, uh, a, a lift station placed that will drain or will pump water out from a depth of say like six or seven feet and then be able to put that on the surface where it could go down a surface drain and in those situations on these flat grounds you can kind of uh, cheat your slope you would you'd have your lift station at say like six foot and then you can have your main then just gradually get higher uh, in elevation while maintaining your grade allowing you to drain yeah and they work very, lift stations can work very well. It takes some design work, no doubt about it. And a lot of times I'll talk to farmers who will say, oh, haven't put one of those in before. My best suggestion is just work with a really good contractor that's done it, especially if they've done it in your area. They're used to the conditions you've got. They've designed them before. Because like you said, Jeremy, you got to make your own slope in those cases. And you also got to understand what kind of volume of water is going to be coming through when you get those big rains and you've got that water table that, that gets really high. Absolutely. This, with, when it comes to lift stations, it's always best to have those designs done first and make sure that it's designed for what your long-term goal is for drainage. 
That way you don't end up with a situation where you have to try to figure out how to put in another lift station or make this lift, lift station do more work than it's been designed for. Well, there are a lot of issues that, that come up in tiling, and certainly when crop prices are up like they are right now, a lot of people will be looking at, you know what, I really do need to focus on the 10%, 20% of my farm that isn't up to par. And oftentimes when Brian and I are looking at soil tests or talking to farmers just about conditions in general, they identify poor drainage as being a big issue. When when you run into these things, Jeremy, you mentioned poor outlet issues and a lot of times that holds guys back cover crops you mentioned again are another thing that farmers are saying man maybe the cover crop can fix my problem but a lot of times uh you're probably getting the other end maybe the cover crop could cause me a problem yeah yeah we uh i the there's that concern that well are the roots going to get down into that tile and you know so far as long as that tile is able to have some free drainage and clean itself out and there aren't issues, it really looks like the cover crops are helping us more than they would potentially cause us any harm. Uh, that said, you know, I, I'm an empiricist, so the more information we get over time, the, you know, the, the more we'll know about what the, uh, the real relationship between the cover crops and the tile are. Well, a lot of things going on out in fields, and certainly if you get a drainage issue, we want to try and address it as soon as we can. We're talking about tiling in crop on today's program and been visiting here with Jeremy Miners with Agram. Jeremy, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. It, it's been a pleasure, Darren. Uh, hope you have a good day. Yep, you as well. Getting some questions in for the Ag PhD mailbag, and we were talking about corn and early planting and some of the challenges out in the field. I also got a soybean question. This one came in from Brandon and he said, I enjoy listening, listening to you. You guys often talk about the optimal planting depth on corn. Can you talk a little bit about your recommendation on soybean planting depth? And this is Brandon from Ohio. Hey, thanks, Brandon. We really appreciate that question. Yeah. on the corn, one of the things that we've been talking about a little bit this year, normally we're shooting for two inches, two and a quarter inches deep on our farm. You never want to be more shallow than an inch and a half on corn. And we're also looking in super dry conditions of planting down into some moisture. So we may be a little bit deeper than we'd optimally be. But hey, if that's where the moisture's at, then we can get even emergence on our dry land acres. With soybeans, kind of the same thing when you're when you're digging, look to see where that moisture line's at. And let's just say, for example, you're shooting for inch to inch and a half depth on soybeans, which is normally considered to be the optimal window. But you see, you know what, at an inch and three quarters, I could get into moisture and we don't really have a lot of moisture coming up in the forecast. I would probably stretch it and go a little bit deeper on the soybeans. The challenge with soybeans can be if you get crusting, but the good thing about soybeans is you're planting a lot more population than you are with corn, uh, even for the guys planting low population soybeans there are at least two or three times as many plants out there as with the corn so you can utilize that to to your advantage in that deeper planting situation but always got to be careful if you're going a little bit deeper especially if you see man there's some rain in the forecast in the next week i might just put it in my normal inch inch and a half and count on that rain thanks for the question brandon we appreciate it we'll get back to more of your calls and questions after this Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. 
low-use rate Authority Supreme herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. This is Quick Dick McDick from Tufnell asking you, have you heard of Mandaco Land Rollers? They're the ones with the green paint, and I'm not talking about the green paint that requires a technician and a laptop to fix. I'm talking about the Mandaco green paint that doesn't need fixing because it's built tough. We're talking 5-8 thick, 42-inch diameter drums, people, and I've learned never to talk about size unless you can back it up when a measuring tape gets pulled out. So keep your seed and rocks in the ground where they belong and get yourself a roller at mandaco.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today we are talking about tiling, but this time we're talking about in-crop. So you're worried about seeding right now. So are we. We're going to keep those planters running as long as we can once we get going here again. And yeah, as soon as that crop is starting to come up, it's already in the ground. We're going to start the tiling back up where we need to because we just don't know what we're going to get for weather in the fall. So we want to get after it. Also, if you're working with a contractor and you look at their fall schedule right now, many contractors are pretty full for the fall already. So here's your shot. You could do some tiling in crop. Oftentimes you can find contractors that aren't super, super busy. We've got one online with us right now. We've got Zach Moen. Uh, they farm and also install tile in western Minnesota. Zach, thanks for joining us today. 
Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. I know when you guys start planting, you, you just want to get all the crop in the ground, but I'm sure you're doing some tiling in crop this year. Are you as busy in crop tiling as you are in the fall? Uh, <clears throat> normally for us, we're, our busy season goes from pretty much April up until June. And then July and August will kind of cut back a little bit. And then say if a guy's got wheat or anything like that, we kick back up at the end of September. But last year we tiled straight through from end of March right to, well, first week of January. So Yeah, that's awesome. I know it gets cold where you're at, so eventually the frost is going to go deep enough that, that you're not going to be able to do it. Or it just gets cold enough that nobody wants to help you, which I also understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so talk to me about this April to June time period because – we, whenever we talk about tiling in crop on our farm or we show something on our TV show that, hey, we're out there and we've got six-inch tall corn that we're going through, we'll get a lot of feedback from farmers. I didn't know you could do that, and and how much impact does it have on the crop? So I'll ask you those questions. How how big okay. a deal is it to the crop? Does it hurt the crop at all? I mean, if you think about it, the only stuff that we're actually really destroying up to a certain you know size of crop on corn, you know, up to about eight inches, you're only destroying where the plow is going. So it's minimal what's actually getting destroyed. And then uh, where the wheel tracks and stuff, because we, we tile with a 9520 with 800 duels on it, and then a soil max pull behind plow. Where the wheel tracks are, that actually, you know, it stunts it a little bit, but it'll come back, you know, up to almost, you can tile through 12-inch corn and it'll almost come back. Sure. That's what we've found too. And, and one of the things that uh, I know Brian was talking about this earlier in the show today. He said, one of the things that our dad pointed out to us is, you know, if you're, if you're tiling areas of the field where you've got uh, insufficient drainage, you probably aren't going through crop that's worth a whole lot. Anyway, you're not going through your 300 bushel area of the field. You're going through your hundred bushel at best area. Yeah. And the thing is, is around here, we usually get the rains in planting season where it'll cause a drowned out before it's even coming up you know you'll get it planted it'll drowned out and you're going to tile that drowned out but you might run over a few pieces of you know decent crop to get to it but more than likely you're tiling that sour spot that's you, you plant it but you can't combine it Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. One of our strategies we've used on our farm is we get in those areas or that sour part of the field, like you say, and we put in tile lines 15 feet apart, 20 feet apart, rather than the maybe 40 or 50 feet that we would be going in the rest of the field. Do you see a lot of guys doing the same thing? Is that a common practice for you to, to narrow up that spacing in those tough areas? On our area, we're, we stick with that 40 foot we might go down on some tighter soils down to 30 foot um but i've i've personally never been below 30 foot spacing um it's more or less the fact of we'll go in and tile what we can without running over you know a huge amount of crop and then we might come back in the fall if we get a chance and finish it off or else we'll try to do it um 
next spring, but it's, it's a crapshoot when you can actually find weather to do it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm not suggesting we're uh, we're tiling the daylights out of it in the crop, but <laughs> but certainly in those spots, I know we we've come back and man, it still wasn't enough. And I know I've got a question that just yep. came in a little bit ago that we're going to get to later in the show. A farmer said, "Man, I tiled and I still got a couple spots out there that that are are causing me problems." Now I know those problem areas are oftentimes what generates the call to to get a farmer to say, okay, I got to bite the bullet and do this. What do you see in your part of Minnesota? Is it high pH? Is it salty areas? Uh, what kind of things lead farmers to say, you know, I got to pull the trigger here and tile? Yeah, that's more the thing is it's the pH level. Um, you know, guys will be tiling stuff and want to try and pattern some stuff that's got, um, you know, high alkali and all that stuff. And the beans, they just won't grow. So you get in there and you try to pattern tile it and, you know, it's, it's more of a long game payback than anything else. You're basically tiling for the next 50 years instead of the, you know, five months that you might get the crop in there. But it's the, it's the thing where you're looking for long-term payoff rather than the sting of losing a little bit of crop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So coming out of 2018 and 2019, just super wet years in the region. Did you learn anything there from, the, from all the tile work you guys have done over the years? Yeah. I mean, it's what was tile was actually being able to plant. <laughs> um, it's a lot of stuff around here. We found that we probably didn't have enough tile in certain spots that kind of backlogged it again. And some of the stuff where we had what we thought was a decent, you know, um, seepage drain, we had to go back and either put in a intake or something or either go just a little tighter. We had some stuff that was 60-foot spacing. we go back in and put it at 30-foot spacing, just basically add to it. So Sure, sure. Okay. Now, with tile prices, we're hearing fertilizer prices up, crop prices are certainly up. What about tile prices? Is it getting more expensive or is it still pretty reasonable compared to the last few we years? Saw, yeah, we saw, what was it? We saw a 30% increase on our cost wow. for the tile itself. So we're, I mean, you can still do it for a decent amount, but I mean, at bottom line, it went up with everybody. You know, it's, it's our cost to cover it. It's the, um, clients cost, you know, for, um, install. So, I mean, it went up everywhere, but we knew it was coming. They told us, um, last December to try and order some if you can. So we got, we got some ordered in, so it was still a decent price, but it's, it's, everything's going up. One other question, and I know driving through your part of Minnesota last summer, I saw a couple of fields where, growers had planned on getting tiling work done they left unplanted strips every so many feet and you could just see it they they filled in later in the season but they left strips so that somebody could come in and tile do you have farmers that do that for you or do you suggest just plant the whole field and and we'll try and do minimal disturbance uh, we actually had it the opposite way. We had a guy that we were tiling in crop for, and he put beans in, but he actually um, overpopulated some of the beans okay. and um, in anticipation for us to come in and run over a little bit. But, you know, we were still on 40, 
So I think we did 43 foot spacing on that just so it lined up with his head. So he wasn't trying to go over a tile row, you know, when he come back in the, he could at least combine in between them without too much of a headache. But yeah, he did it the opposite way. He kind of overpopulated in anticipation for us running over a little bit. So yeah, that's interesting. But there's some guys that, some guys that'll, they'll leave some bare ground, but um, not too often. So yeah, it's, it's funny. Everybody's got different ideas of how to do things, and we're sharing one of our ideas and something that's worked on our show today, Tiling in Crop. Talking with Zach Moen here. They farm, also have a tile installation business in western Minnesota. Zach, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck here this planting season. No problem. Thank you. Our phone lines are also open throughout the show today at 844 844- Four four two forty seven forty three, or if you're driving, an easy way to remember that is eight four four forty four AG PhD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this. Whether or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You work for results. That's why the Enlist weed control system gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice, with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Nozzles are your ideal choice for the Enlist E3 herbicide system. With coverage comparable to flat fans and with 90% less drift, ULD nozzles meet all required standards for Enlist applications and provide optimal performance of contact herbicides. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, 
you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. listening to Ag PhD Radio, so you're probably not surprised that we're talking about drainage tile, other than the fact that, well, wait a second, why are you talking about that in April? Why aren't you talking about that in September and October and November when a lot of the tiling is getting done? Honestly, on our farm, we've done a pretty big share of the tiling in crop. So going up to about 12-inch tall crop is our target, so we'll start out after we get done planting, tiling into some corn if we need to. Then we'll move on to tiling into some soybeans if we need to and try and get as much done as we can when the weather's warm, the fields are generally fairly dry, and we actually have time to do it. We freeze up in the fall oftentimes before we even get all the crop out of the field, so we we sometimes just don't have much time in the fall. We've got Kevin Lippert on with us right now with Lippert Tile, and uh, Kevin, I bet you run into the same thing in central Minnesota that it just gets cold too early in the fall. Yeah, last year was the exception. Right. Uh, the latest they've ever fallen. Usually you're done before Thanksgiving sometime and you can't keep going. And I don't, I don't prefer to tile in bad conditions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's sure. And, and the other thing is when, when you're doing custom tiling work for lots of different people, it's tough to get to everybody. I mean, of course, everybody wants to be at the top of your list. But let's face it, there's oftentimes when people want to tile, there's oftentimes a list and uh, I know for for our farm, we get some neighbors, too, that we'll be working on projects with, and they want everything done right away in the fall. But, man, we just don't have time for it all. We've got to do some tiling in crop. Otherwise, we end up waiting a few extra years. Yeah, if they, they, they're they going to have to move some money this year and put tile in. And if they, you know, everybody wants to get done planting, well, it's that's all fine. But it's we've done it several times, go in the beans and, tile it and close it, and then you got a little 16-foot press drill to go up and down and put some double O's or O2s in. and it, it it looks terrible for a little while, but come September, you can't tell the difference, and the bean header slides right over it. That's, that's one of the questions we get a lot, Kevin, is, man, if I do tiling in the crop, will that settle down for the most part, or I just have to be careful for that first year? Well, like I said, we we tile it and we we close it. I got a, a disc, an actual disc closer, um, that chews it up, lays it down flat, and then we usually run a little 13 foot disc over it and uh, and run up and down with a press drill. And uh, then the season goes on, and then that lays down. And I, you know, yeah, you can't combine, you know, five miles an hour, but three and a half, four works and. Then you get the project done. Yeah, and you get some yield over those spots too. So here we go into a relatively dry, or at least on our farm, it's starting out quite dry. We still end up with deeper roots over those tile lines, and we haven't seen it yet that we haven't had at least as good a yield, if not better yield, over the tile. What do you see up in your part of Minnesota? Well, that's usually what happens you can see right over the tile lines it's always better even if you get a little you know there's a little compaction there but it seems like the beans do 
respond a little bit to it being settled down a little bit. And uh, I don't know, it, it really works well. What are water tables like right now uh, up in central Minnesota? Are they high? Are they down? Have you caught a lot of spring rain? Uh, we haven't had a lot of spring rain. Um, we're tiling right now, and uh, you pull a 500-foot rut in and you come back and the water's running. So there's there's good moisture down there yet. You know, there's there's plenty of water in the ground yet where we're tiling. Um, it's fairly dry, smooth conditions. You know, it's perfect time to put tile in, you know, at the moment. So some guys can wait with planting their beans and stuff. Uh, okay, I can put beans in until the 20th of May or first of June or something that's, you know, if they really wanted to wait, you know, but uh, the ground conditions at the moment, uh, water table and stuff like that's fairly good up here. What's your rule of thumb, Kevin? So say, say a farmer said, all right, I got this field over here. It's going to be soybeans. I'm in no rush to get it in the ground. I got a month to get it in, in a a decent planting window. Uh, Say you get in there and tile today. How soon can that farmer be back out in that field? Do you recommend he do some tillage then and to level things off, or how do you handle it? Yeah, we uh, we close the tile lines, and uh, if they want to run over it once, get the field leveled off, leave it sit, and then they can run it over at the finisher, and then plant. Then it's smooth as glass, and you don't you don't feel it with the sprayer or anything like that. When you fix problems in fields, so a farmer that you've done work for in the past, or, or maybe you haven't, he, he just says, hey, I've got tile in my field, something's not working. Uh, what is the normal cause of the problem? Do you see just tile lines filling in naturally? Do you see them getting crushed? What What would be things to watch out for? Well, some of the older stuff that, you know, they've had some tile or concrete put in, you know, uh, as we get to bigger grain carts, I've had several troubles with the grain carts crushing. Uh, they, they want to run a thousand bushels on 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 wheeled uh, grain carts, and there's trouble there. You know, if the tile's not 36 inches, uh, that's where it gets crushed. And you go go fix it, and you gotta tell them maybe you gotta trade grain carts. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, rethink things, and especially you know years like 2018, 2019, where we had wet harvests, that that was a a problem where guys were sinking in yeah. with some of those big heavy implements. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I, I've had a couple guys trade grain carts just because of that fact. They went to tracks, because they know they have you know shallow tile lines, and and they do work, you know, but uh, over time, if they're shallow. Uh, the concrete does fail, but, you know, you fix them and go from there. Um, then they tend to look at uh, redoing it, just ignoring what's out there and go, go ahead and then they'll pattern tile an area and see if you can get, you know, see where the outlets are, see once you can get deeper grade or that kind of thing. You know, a lot of the old lines, they uh, saved, tried to save some grade and didn't have that big equipment. So um, sometimes uh, a guy can get a little deeper in the ditches uh, up in this area. There's a pretty good ditch system uh, that they can, uh, you know, they lost some grade initially, but uh, the ditches are a little bit deeper and got cleaned out over some time. And you can catch a little bit more grade. And, and with the tiling machines now, uh, you can uh, hold a better grade for them. 
You farm too, Kevin. That's one of the reasons that we love talking to you on the show because you got a little different perspective. So when you're putting in this tile, is it a lot of times the farmer that's that's all excited about it? Is it the landlord? Do you work with both? And and uh, what have you found for the guy that rents a lot of his ground? How does he get started? Well, the rented ground, I got a I got a project now that we're going to start on next week. Uh, we talked to some landowners. There's you know they're they're they've all out of the farming and some brothers and sisters and um they look they looked at you know what the value of the land is they're all in their 50s now looking forward maybe sell it later you know and there was a couple little wetlands and they try to going to mitigate some of that and uh they were going to pattern tile the 160 out well that's kind of a big number but uh the the renter really worked with them and with the accountants and told them what the tax advantages is for them. And then that they would borrow some money because they all pay taxes. Well, if the money's going to go out, they don't let you keep it. So um, once that got explained and the tax benefit to them, and then that got divided out, then the bill wasn't. So then it was pretty understandable. And they said, go ahead. Yeah, the tax benefit is something, too, and I know one of the things that that we've talked with our landlords, too, who have been doing some tiling projects, just when they're putting money in the bank and getting 1% on it, but they could put it in their farm and get a lot better return on that and get that same return for many, many years to come, it's been a pretty attractive option for a lot of landowners to get some tile in their ground. Talking with Kevin Lippert with Lippert Tile in central minnesota kevin thank you so much and good luck stay safe during this planting season all right good luck to you guys too thank you thanks talking about tiling in crop it's something we do on our farm and to get a lot of questions about that so that would be a fun subject for today but we'll get into more of your questions and your calls right after this Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Introducing the next generation of weed control in wheat, Wide AR Match Herbicide. Uh, I'm sorry, is this a typo? I mean, there's an AR in the middle of Wide Match. Mm-hmm, that's the name. It's called Wide R Match Herbicide. Oh, my bad. From the top. <clears throat> Introducing Wide R Match from Corteva AgriScience. It's not a typo. It's an upgrade. The AR stands for Arlax Active for improved control of the toughest broadleaf weeds in wheat. Talk with your retailer to learn more. High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. 
The Germinator Spike design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed to soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. If you've got an agronomic question, we've got time right now to take your call at 844-44-AG-PHD. Otherwise, you can email us like Bruce did. And Bruce sent some kudos our way. He said, caught your program. You were talking about a weed of the week that we've got out in the pasture and rangeland. And if I've ever had a complaint about the advice on your show, it's too much reliance on crop protection products, not enough on management practices. But Ted, I, I just loved it when Darren suggested that this particular weed could be controlled in pastures with rotational grazing as opposed to using Tordon. We found diversity of plants and soils adds to the biology and overall health and productivity of the soil. So spraying out the perennial forbs in our pastures has, has just not been good for our soil or for our cattle. We don't really want to see a monoculture out there. In short, wanted to just say nice job thinking outside the box, guys, suggesting a solution that didn't cost anything and address the root cause, so to speak, instead of treating the symptoms. Hey, thanks, Bruce. We really appreciate that. And we do really look for that. And I know sometimes we'll get a bad rap. Oh, no, you guys must work for the chemical companies. No, we don't. We'd prefer not to have to use those products out there because, hey, if we can find a way to do it without spending the money on it, that's one thing. But just like you mentioned, Bruce, we, we get questions a lot of times. All right, I've got thistles. I need to get them under control. I've got leafy spurge. I need to get it under control, whatever the weed problem may be. And it's like, okay, what are we spraying into? Well, I've got a blend. I've got grass. I've got clover. I've got other things out there. It's like, well, if you do this, it's going to kill the clover. And so it's really hard. There, there just aren't great solutions that that work when you've got multiple species out there and, and don't harm any of them. So yeah, really appreciate that. I know we've had a couple of wet years where that's great. You know, 2018, 2019, you could just graze the heck out of things. And we had so much rain, it just kept coming and no problem. But then we get to 2020 and we had a year where we saw a lot of overgrazed pastures and 
man, if, if you're listening to the show today and you say, well, I've got animals out on pasture, what's this rotational grazing? Learn more about that by just letting the animals have access to a small portion of the pasture and then moving them to another part of the pasture a week or two weeks later, depending on where you're at and what's growing out there and how many head you have. You give that pasture time to rest and time to recover, and we just don't see the weed problems. It, it just uh, There's just a lot of benefits to it. All right, I got a question from Billy here, a comment. We were talking about drain tile, and he said, we've got the opposite problem here. We've had zero precipitation uh, and only three inches total, including snow, since August. Man, that is no fun. I know we aren't quite in as bad a spot as that. I think we've had eight inches since uh, the first part of July last year including the snow and everything, which still isn't much. Our subsoil moisture is about non-existent right here. Now, you don't have to go very far away from us, and they've gotten a little bit more. They're a little better situation, but yeah, sure get it, Billy. Uh, when you don't have any subsoil moisture, tiling's probably not the first thing you're thinking, but also I think it's a great time to tile because if you have work that needs to get done, especially if you've got a little bit of a, a tenuous relationship with a neighbor, they're worried, oh man, I don't want you dumping all that extra water on me. You can literally put tile in right now on our farm and not have a drop of water come out of it at all because the water table is so low. That would be a great time where you could put tile in and people wouldn't have to worry about it. Also, when it's really dry, it's really an opportunity for tiling because you aren't going to have to fight about things. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm dry, but I want to put tile in for the future. And you can get along pretty good on those types of things. Not many people fight you when it's really dry. All right. Uh, tiling question here from Jeff in Minnesota. He said, I've got an area in the field that will have standing water a couple times throughout the year for even weeks at times some years. This area and the rest of the field is tiled, but this one spot is still a problem. I'm looking at just putting grass in this small area, but I need something that can survive the standing water and also not plug the existing tile so the rest of the field can drain. Is there a variety of grass that would work in this situation? What do you recommend? Perennial grasses, Jeff, are a problem for tile lines and potentially can plug them. So I don't really have a species of grass that I would recommend. I'm sure there's probably something that doesn't root down deep, but I don't know what it would be. I just thought about a couple things as I was reading your email. One, you could take those areas in your field and maybe put tile in every 10 feet or put tile in every 15 feet. And just in that small area. So say it's maybe a, a hundred foot diameter circle out in a field. Well, how much would it cost to tile that if you've got your own plow and you could just put a line in every 10 or 15 feet, not very much money, and you'd solve it forever, and it would be great. That's what we've done on our farm in those problem areas. Now, the rest of the field may be uh, spot tiled or it may be pattern tiled at 50 feet or something like that, but in that one area, we'd have a whole bunch more tile. That would be something. The other thing would be you could run non-perforated tile just through that little area. Uh, so you could go back in there, cut the tile before that wet spot, and and just put non-perf in or put a second line in through there that's non-perf or something to take the water from the rest of the field. 
there's there's a variety of ways that you could do it, but that's what I would do. Um, I certainly get it if you want to put some grass out there. I would worry about the roots plugging up the lines, but it's certainly something that that you could try if you wanted to. Hey, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate the the question. All right, got this one from Wesley in Kentucky. He said, "I'm planting my soybeans early." into worked ground would you still recommend three pre's on that or just a yellow like prowl hey wesley thanks for the question we really like seeing multiple modes of action out there whenever we're trying to control weeds and soybeans and with our pre-program we don't really deviate from that we love to see a yellow like either trifluralin or prowl if you're going to be doing some some more tillage then I would put on trifluralin. But if you've already worked the ground and you're just going to lay it on top, I would use the prowl like you were talking about. And then some metribuzin and either authority or valor with that. We've just had such good luck with that controlling weeds and controlling weeds well into the season. You, you need to do a great job till you get to crop canopy. And in our experience, prowl alone is starting to fail just a little bit on some pigweed in certain areas, not huge areas like the whole Midwest or something like that. But, but there are a few areas where we are seeing some, um, some either tolerance building or resistance building to that chemistry. That's why we like to see multiple modes of action out there. So that's what I'd recommend. Thanks, Wesley. Appreciate it. Good luck with your soybean planting. Got this question in from, from Scott. And he said, a quick question for you. I want to put down some ammonium sulfate on my soybeans this year. I'm thinking about putting 100 pounds per acre out there. Just wondering if that's a good rate and what would be the best time to apply now at planting or at a later growth stage. Thanks, Scott. We appreciate that. We get a lot of questions about ammonium sulfate, and we are seeing a sulfur response in almost every crop. We just aren't getting as much sulfur as we used to get with acid rain, with air pollution with all the sulfur that was in diesel fuel, everything else. I mean, there just were a lot of sulfur emissions out there. And unless you're next to uh, an erupting volcano, we just aren't getting a, a big release of sulfur. So you're going to need some. So 100 pounds of AMS, you're going to get like 24 pounds of sulfur out there. So that's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm game for that. I think that rate is fine. I don't have any issue with that at all. We've got some guys applying even more than that. But if you've never done it before, it'd be a good place to start. And then when is the best time to apply it? Well, depends on what you got for application equipment. You could certainly put it on early. The nitrogen component in there, depending on your soil pH, is going to take some time. It may take a month. It may take two months for that nitrogen to all release. The sulfur would be available pretty quickly, though. So if you've got heavy soil and not a ton of rainfall, you can certainly go out and put that out early. If you are in light soil in a very heavy rainfall area, you might want to wait and put that on just a little bit before you get to the reproductive stages. So maybe uh, later in the season, like mid to late June or early July, something like that, and you can still get through the field, that would be a, a decent time to do it. We've, we've done some both ways. Uh, the good thing, too, about that later application is you keep that nitrogen for really late in the season. And I know some of the 100 bushel plus growers, like I, I remember Matt Miles from Arkansas, the first time he was up at our field day, he had us put some ammonium sulfate out, I think at R1. And that kept nitrogen available late into the season. And he beat me in yields on my own ground. So 
yeah, that's something you could do either way. Personally, Scott, if this is your first time doing it, I'd probably do a little bit each way and just see what you think. And then maybe even do a split application as a third trial just to see which way works best for you. Hey, thanks for the question, Scott. We really appreciate that. And, and thanks for thinking outside the box, getting some more sulfur out for your soybean crop. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.